Sam. Yeah, what's up, man? Episode 12, Stats Don't Matter. Woo! This week, we're going to discuss what we project will occur this season for the NFL, try and make sense of why the MLB is just not fun anymore, not. and give our hot takes on the NBA playoffs. Uh, in this week's edition of What's in My Cup, it's a Pilsner from Upper Marlboro, Maryland, and a Sour Blueberry Ale from Hartford, Connecticut. I'm trying to get off that. Ah, I'm trying to get off the IPA bandwagon just to give our listeners something to pay attention to. Uh, but spoiler alert. Eh. We'll get into it a little later. <laughs> Meanwhile, we want to thank everyone for listening thus far. Uh, we threw you guys a little curveball last week with the twofer. Uh, I actually think, and going forward, we're probably going to do that every single week. Gives us a couple options. One, we can dive a little bit more into some of these interviews. We can flesh out a little bit more of our ideas for some of these more in-depth pieces we want to get into. um, And cuts down some of the listening time for you guys who are not yelling in your ear for two hours every single week. So, hopefully you guys enjoy. Find them wherever you guys listen to Stats Don't Matter. And please, find us on social media. Let us both know if there's anything that we think or that you think we should be doing different or if some of our opinions are complete garbage. Let us know. Yeah. We're here I for mean, it. I mean, yours are, mine aren't. So I mean, we'll have to see what the, what the lists are saying. Yeah, but I, accept. <laughs> I accept. We've already gotten to the point where we understand <laughs> that you're sort of the, the, the driver of this and I'm the backseat driver that just chimes in periodically with my own opinions. Oh, and I'm here for please. it. And this is fine. <laughs> I, have, I have like a certificate of achievement from like sports school you you have like a bachelor's degree so we'll do what happens here i'm the teacher i'm the teacher leaning over the seat in the front of the bus while the bus driver is driving just trying to make weird chit chat conversations it's fine i get it i think we both know that if like if you were my sports teacher and it was happening during zoom you would have kicked me out of the class already that probably would have happened it's fine totally fine (laughs) (laughs) you're the air that keeps this flow this show afloat Let's get into the show, man. Let's go, guys. All right. NFL training camp is underway, Tim, which means two things. Injuries, which really suck, and then Mm -hmm. wild, overhyped social media content uh, galore. I don't know if you've seen this. Maybe it's because we haven't had any sort of media whatsoever um, for the NFL except for, hey, we're coming (laughs) back. We're going to play a season. And then all of a sudden we get these bangers, right? Did you see the Cam Newton video with him dancing and, and, and bopping on the sideline? I did. It was uh, very Cam Newton-esque. Uh, I'm glad he took off the, the facial handkerchief and the weird glasses to get it out there. But still, Cam being Cam, I expected all season. I'm glad to see the Patriots kind of embracing it a little bit. I know yeah, the NFL. Yeah. yeah. That is very unpatriots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard work. Damn. Hard work. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we're seeing sort of a shift in the ideology of the Patriots uh, as you see sort of the flourishing of Gronkowski and Tom Brady once they left the team and seeing that everyone's fine, everyone's doing their thing. I think maybe we start seeing a little bit more relaxed approach. It'll be interesting to see how that translates on the field, right? They sort of exuded professionalism and always business and and winning being the number one priority, start letting that lax a little bit. At the end of the season, then it becomes a conversation. It's like, whoa, we took our eye off the ball for a little while. We focused a little bit more on some of the attention. Is that good or bad? But on the flip side of that, I also think a lot of this is uh, purposeful to keep attention on 
the NFL in the upcoming season and drive as much viewership as possible because right now that's pretty important. Uh, so I think overall that's where a lot of this sort of the social media guys are, are pretty good when you start getting into some of these teams. Yeah, for sure. And of course, we're going to talk about it in episode 12. Uh, we got to talk about number 12, right? He's no longer a patient. Maybe he's trying to hurt your heart, but right now he's the he's the jewel of Tampa Bay. But uh, there's a, a Bucks video that shows Tom Brady tossing a beautiful fade route to Gronkowski right before he gets smacked out of bounds. And I don't think he was really expecting it at the end. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's also kind of telling that Brady to Gronk was the first video that we saw come out of training camp. Yeah, uh, like just hey yeah, guys, yeah. we're all about it this year, but you know exactly what we're here for, and that's the Brady connection. Yeah, to get out of jail free card every yeah. time. Yeah, uh, there's also a video of Ryan Tannehill throwing a nice out route to AJ Brown right right on top of a cornerback uh, from Tennessee Titans. It's just a crazy good beat behind it. Like I had to watch it a few times, and I was like, okay. I mean, I'm on the AJ Brown hype train anyways for fantasy this year, but this is just like confirmation bias. So. I'll, Thank you, Tennessee Titans. I appreciate it. You heard my stats earlier, even though they don't matter, on uh, Tannehill. So that is a hookup worth paying attention to throughout the season. Calling it early, Tannehill is going to be an overachiever on the fantasy side of things. We'll see how yeah. that goes. I'm a big fan. And, of course, one of this, this last ones here. Um, if you know anything about Seahawks Twitter, you know that uh, – at cable underscore Thanos is probably like the meme lord of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, he produces content for Russell Wilson's uh, East to West Empire, and his videos are incredible. I've reposted them a ton of times. But Jamal Adams took a note out of that book, man. I mean, he is out here in training camp picking people off, stopping people behind the line of scrimmage, and then he went and made a season montage hype video from last season, the way the season ended with you know the Seahawks losing in the playoffs, and then him coming on board this year, hyping up the team, I don't even think we asked him to do this. And it, it, he didn't do this for the Jets, which I just 100%. I mean, I'm I'm banging the bell. Seahawks are winning the damn Super Bowl of social media, at least. Like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, good, great, great clarification. Oh, they're going to win the Super Bowl. They're also going to win the social media Super Bowl. It's, it's going to happen. Are you guaranteeing a, a Seahawks win? You're going to go that far? I just did. So, I mean, I guess, like, you know, the stats don't matter. Predictions don't either. But, yes. <clears throat> hmm. All right. There's, there's no way the number two player, as voted on by other players in the NFL Top 100, doesn't bring the team to the brink this year. It's happening. Get used to it. All right. But wouldn't that mean that the number one player takes them per- further? Well, the number one player last year didn't make Because number two is the first loser. Uh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. I'm telling you. Check, so check, those, check those videos out. Um, obviously, social media has only given us a glimpse, and it's very, very positive, and it's biased. But at the same time, we're not getting preseason games, right? So we have to kind of abide by the things that we see, these little clips that teams put out. Um, <clears throat> you already brought it up earlier, the fact that the Patriots are very all business, and now they got photos and videos of Cam kind of gyrating and dabbing on the sidelines. Like, yes, yeah. 100% here for it. I don't know if the rest of the people in New England are here for it, but I'm here for it. Yeah. So, of course, this, you know we're going to stay on the topic here. We'll talk about football. Injuries, obviously, are a really bad thing. There have been some folks who have torn their Achilles, ACLs. There have been a rash of concussions. Uh, as always, when you start to get into the, the practices, now there's only 14 padded practices this year, so we think when you add that plus no preseason games, there will be less injuries. But we have to think, as injuries are sort of a, a factor in how far teams are going to go, let's talk about some division leaders. Who do we think is probably going to – 
win the division. Now, I understand we're making this choice in a vacuum. There are no preseason games, so we're going based off of the history of the team, who they got, and what we think you know they'll do this year. So let's start with the AFC East. Who do you got? I mean, it's really hard to go against the Patriots just because of the division that they're in and the quality of the teams that are also in that division. I think despite Cam and some of the early or some of the late additions they have made, they've added to the offensive line, they've added wide receivers, they've added pretty much across the board. I would say it was easy to kind of sign them off a little bit, but it depends on what camp you reside in. Personally, I didn't I never thought Brady was a system quarterback. I thought him and his skill set and the pairing of Bill Belichick happened to be a perfect pairing. So when he left, I thought there was going to be a little bit of an impact on the expectations from the Patriots. Now, if you're talking Patriot expectations across the league, that's a very different conversation from the Patriots in their division. Uh, do I think the Patriots are going to have the same level of success throughout the entire league? Probably not. Uh, Cam is a great addition. If he fits in, I think Stidham can do well. We've seen success with you know quarterbacks not named Tom Brady starting for the Patriots. So they're going to at least be a 500 team, probably better than that. I'm hoping not. That's what we already talked about. No, I'm not. I'm not hoping that on anybody. Tank for but, Trevor. Tank for Trevor. <laughs> um, but I think they've done enough things to at least make sure that they've sort of cemented themselves in that division. Uh, and I don't think anybody else really poses that big of a threat. I mean, we saw how the Jets have sort of imploded some of their trades and, and some of their stock. Uh, and there's just there's not really anybody I'm overly concerned about. So I think. It'll be a different look, Patriots. I think the Patriots themselves are going to have to find different ways to win because you can't just ride the, you know, the jersey of your star player. But um, homerism aside, not going there. I honestly think it's got to be the Patriots coming out of the AFC East. Oh, yeah. I, I got to be right there with you. Um, I think they're going to do it in like week 16. It'll be some drama taken down towards the end of the season. But you have the hoodie. You have the dab. It's a combination. It's coming to a field near you. I mean – TV field, right? Uh, I do think the Bills and the Dolphins are going to, of course, continue to steal one game apiece against Belichick. They managed to do it every year. Uh, I don't think any team will outright sweep uh, the Patriots in the division, but I, I do think they, they just have enough talent. Even when people are opting out, they've 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 proved to us before. It doesn't matter who like Belichick like gets. Like, there's that joke that he can just go to the grocery store and get a, a cart pusher or a stalker of shelves. And turn yep. it into a third round pick. Like that, that's just it, you you get some level, some floor of success for doing that for 15 plus years. So there's no way mm -hmm. that I don't think it's gonna happen. Right. What about the AFC West? I feel like going against anybody who isn't Mahomes is just blasphemous and incorrect at this point. It's gotta be the Chiefs. I mean, I'm not even sure why I'm considering that. It's the Chiefs. Yeah, I I gotta go with you there. I think this is the year that all the film study. Uh, no preseason games. Mahomes probably a little banged up last year after his kneecap was dislocated. Like right now, the Chiefs look to me like the Golden State Warriors of the NFL. And mm -hmm. until internal strife breaks them the same way that the Golden State Warriors are broken, uh, yeah. this is this is their division to lose and probably their league to lose. So, I mean, are they at the height of their power yet? I don't know, uh, but I would say they're close. And it's cool. The Broncos they got retooled. They got new quarterback. They got all these wide receivers. 
The Raiders are moving to Las Vegas. The Chargers. Okay. Yep. I, I, I can't even, as I talk about more teams, I can't even convince myself. Right. Mahomes yeah. has an entire arsenal of firepower in addition to doing whatever he wants on the field, in addition yeah. to him not reading defenses for half of the first year and a half he was playing. Like, okay. Yeah, and, two, and, and he has two arms to throw with, as yeah. we've seen. It doesn't yeah. doesn't doesn't matter. He doesn't even need to see where they where they're going. He's a magician. It's stats don't matter, and <laughs> I guess the throwing arm doesn't matter either. It works. Nah. All right, what about the AFC South? I think for me, I got to go Texans. I think Watson is a he's one of those that's just constantly on the cusp of being great. Yeah. I think he just needs like just a little bit. Of something like a break somewhere in the season that kind of leans his way to really bust out. I mean, we saw how we did last year. We had some amazing games last year. He got kicked in the face and still threw a touchdown pass. Yeah. So I think incredible. I think should he stay healthy and the team around him stay healthy, <laughs> JJ Watt, maybe he has a chance to really come out and shine league wide, not just in his division. But I gotta go Texans. I'm going to disagree with you here. It's got to be, and I'm going to put it in my Philip Rivers voice. Are you freaking kidding me? Not <laughs> uh, the Colts have receivers. They got the best O-line outside of Dallas. They have an up-and-coming defense. Uh, you're going to want to sneakily draft them in fantasy this year. They're gripping. They're taking away the ball. They got good off-the-ball linebackers. They've got some good defensive backs. Like, And they, they've got a good coach in Frank Reich and Matt Eberflus as, as the defensive coordinator. It's going to be like a Week 16 kind of thing. But I just don't think a guy like Philip Rivers who comes in and has pretty much all the pieces sort of already there can't just yep. side sling and run and gun his way through that division. Um, I do think the Texans will give them sh- some trouble for sure. But you look at the Texans who don't have a GM. They have a coach who operates as both and is not really as prolific as Bill Belichick. Uh, you mm-hmm. give away DeAndre Hopkins. You do have some injuries on your defense, right? All that stuff will catch up at you at some point. And mm-hmm. – Watson is a fantastic quarterback. Unbelievable. At some point, everyone runs out of magic, and you can't carry the ship the entire way. You need a supporting cast. Um, Brandon Cooks, the guy catches concussions like he catches colds. And and that's that's a scary thing, right? So you have to wonder if the health and the depth of that team, if they don't really come out to a fast start, once they start playing some of those division games later in the year, they might might give up a couple, you know, easy games that – we wouldn't look at as trap games, and they wouldn't either. And boom, it happens. So we'll disagree on that one. I'm sure we're we're pretty much in concert with the next one, though. The AFC North. Who do you got? Got to be Ravens. I don't think the Steelers have much left in the tank. You know, a lot of their big stars sort of left over the last few years. We got some young studs, but uh, Lamar Jackson. I we, we talked about it earlier in the. In one of the podcasts, when we were talking about the Madden ratings or the, the player ratings and everything, um, Lamar Jackson is easily, in my opinion, one of the top three players in the entire league. I think he brings a little bit more of a physicality to the position than Mahomes does, but has a lot of the same skill sets as Mahomes does. So if I was flipping a coin tomorrow and betting my life savings on a Super Bowl, it would be between the Ravens and the Chiefs, it wouldn't there wouldn't be any other teams in that conversation. So yeah. Not not well, even not even a hesitation that it's gotta be the Ravens. 
we got we got to go ahead and talk about some of their teams in the division. All right, I don't know if you know this. The Steelers are one of the sneaky picks at plus three thousand to win the Super Bowl. So maybe if you're a betting man, and you want to take a wild <laughs> leap on that one. Uh, that could go back for you. But Ben is coming back off injury. They do have some good pieces. The defense is there. <laughs> they could play spoiler for a couple games. I think they make it interesting. But you do bring up a good point. The Ravens have the the, the league MVP, right? Their defense has mostly remained solid, right? You can even talk about the age of maybe some of the defensive backs like Earl Thomas, but you add Calais Campbell up front. They didn't really lose yep. any offensive pieces. They didn't really lose any coaches in the offseason. I mean, this season there will be less viral videos, a lot more boring wins, but there's still going to be less L's than the rest of the division is going to take. Now, I do think we, we've got to talk about the Browns and the Bengals for just a sec. I think the Bengals mm-hmm. – the Bengals could probably win six or seven games this year. I really do think they can. I, I think that Joey Burrow probably gives that team a bit of a spark, and I think there will be some new things that will come out. I do think that the Browns can win more games than they did last year. I do think that's possible. I just don't see in a in a division where you have one team that is offensive like annihilation and you have another team that's defensive annihilation. You know what I mean? Like that – you, I, I just don't see it as any other than a, a two-boat race at the top, but I do think because the Steelers are, are not as healthy and they probably are a little bit older than what the Ravens are, then I, I got to go with that. It, it's the safe. I would agree with that. Moving on to the NFC now, the NFC East. I got I got to go Cowboys here. Uh, Weedham boys. Uh, I think the Eagles will probably make it a little interesting. You know, week 15, maybe they, they haven't locked up the division yet. I think Dak doesn't play week 16, signs a contract extension. I think they probably go out second round of the playoffs like always. I mean, that's just what I think is going to happen, right? Like, do we really think the Washington football team or the Giants are going to make big waves this year? I think the Eagles are an easy team to pull for just because of sort of everything that they've done. Yeah. Um, But I think the Cowboys come out with a little bit of an edge only because I feel like it's tough. I feel like they want to play with a chip on their shoulder. One, because Dak wants and didn't get a contract. So part of me thinks that he's going to come out and perform really, really well in hopes of earning a contract maybe somewhere else in the offseason. We've seen more high profile moves over the last few years that, you know, to Tom Brady, for example, where you didn't think he was going to go anywhere. And I think if you ask any Cowboys fan, Dak wasn't going anywhere. But obviously, Dallas doesn't feel quite the same way. They feel a little bit more confident that, you know, he is going to stick around. You know, God forbid he gets an injury or something this season and then they can just wash their hands of him or, you know, offer him a a lower extension because he got injured. But I think you might see him come out, play his ass off, and then pursue a trade elsewhere, right? Uh, Came in on a. Yeah, Cam Newton's on a one-year deal, so you never know what's going to happen there. Maybe he bails and Dak looks for an opportunity there. Um, I think I'm. It's, that's it's a toss-up. Like I'm not generally the biggest Cowboys fan. I don't have a lot of faith in them, but the only alternative for me would be the Eagles, who also seem to have a quarterback who can't remain in the quarterback position for an entire year. Uh, if he did, might be a different conversation, but. Uh, I'm not seeing that. I, I hope that's what happens because that, you know, Eagles Cowboys would be an interesting division. And I think that, you know, as we approach the postseason, that could be, become a pretty interesting storyline. But I think the Cowboys are just going to come out firing a little bit. I think Dax is just coming out pissed off. 
despite everything he says, he's, he's, you know, the king of saying everything right on screen. I think his brother kind of maybe shown us a little bit behind the curtain a little. You got to You got to follow uh, Tad Prescott on Twitter. If you want to yeah. see what's really going on behind the scenes, Tad yeah. Prescott gets into Twitter battles with people and he does not back down. It is yeah. great. Every yeah. Twitter battle Tad Prescott gets on is like fourth and two with the game on the line. And he just eviscerates people. And I, I, I mean, I just follow him just because it's, it's, it's fantastic. Everyone's like, yeah. Dak is trash. And he's like, you're trash. And I'm like, yes. I'm here for it. First white man. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go, Cowboys. There, I agree. I mean, uh, I think that uh, new coach chips on the shoulder. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's got it's got to happen. Uh, we'll go to the NFC West now. You know, I'm a homer. I'm going to stand for this team, anyways. I mean, last season, week 17, 49ers didn't have the division locked up, and guess what? They trade away some players. They got some younger players. They didn't really lose any coaches. But Seattle against some people. So uh, the way I'm going to see it, it's going down to week 17 again versus the 49ers for the division. And this time, sorry, 49ers fans, it's, it's going to be Seattle. Like there, there are more offensive pieces. Their defense is getting retooled. And like people seem to forget that Russ has not had the defense he had, like the Legion of Boom mm. in earlier years. And he was still carrying the team. Now he's not really going to have to do that, right? His early reports coming out of camp. That, like I said earlier, Jamal Adams just flying around, picking off, you know, Russ making stops behind the line of scrimmage. Like, there's an attitude that comes with being in a Pete Carroll defense. And I, I really want to see it. I know that, like, no fans is like, I mean, we're, we're waiting to see if that's going to be like the Achilles heel, right? Like, we know the 12s give Seattle a home field advantage, but the home field advantage hasn't been there for the past few years. So, like, what are we actually going to see this year? I'm really excited to see it, but I, I got to go. I got to go with the Hawks there this year. I just did. I, I I mean I don't know if you did yourself any favor by saying the new addition to the team is running all over the field, picking off Russell Wilson. Would um, you rather get picked <laughs> off in practice than in the game? I mean, like yeah, but if it's a, it, but iron, if it's right? yeah, but if it's a newcomer just learning the scheme, he's already picking you off all over the field oh, enough to put out his own high field. We'll talk so, to you about scheme. Patriots run so a vanilla scheme. Seattle runs a vanilla scheme. It's about execution. Here's the deal. Um, I will give you that. I think you are currently in the toughest division in all of football. I would agree. Yeah. I think the Niners, the Niners are an amazing team. Uh, I think they're a, a, a better defensive team than an offensive team. I don't have as much faith, faith in Garoppolo as the general public does. I got caught up in the hype when he was, you know, projected to be the next man up for the Patriots, but seeing him go on, uh, to the Niners, he does find ways to win games, but a lot of it isn't based off of his general production. Some of it is the defensive stops, the defensive plays. Guys like Bosa just running all over the field. Um, if anybody had him in fantasy last year, that was the biggest eye-opener because I think he averaged somewhere between like 11 to 13 points or something along the lines. So he wasn't producing a lot. His defense was there. Uh, he was finding ways to win games. Obviously, they were still in the conversation late in this late in the season. But I don't have the highest hopes. Think you know, Kyler Murray still has some growth. I don't know if next year is his year. Maybe the year after that, uh, or maybe it would be cool to see him come out. And you know, what are we in year two? Come out mm -hmm. and find a way to make some Mahomes like growth. I don't think they're the same player. Obviously, he showed a little flash in the pan last year, but I don't think it's quite the same thing. And I mean, the Rams are the Rams, right? That's a defensive juggernaut who was just steamrolling everyone in the league last year. So, 
Yeah. My yeah, gut my gut says Rams, unfortunately. But I wouldn't be mad if it was the Seahawks. I think I oh. gotta Yeah, I I, there we go. There we I think go. I gotta I think I gotta lean Rams just because historically Seahawks have found ways to let you down. Yeah, against the Rams. It's definitely like it's one of their kryptonite teams for sure. Yeah, and, and the Rams are yeah, the yeah. Rams are on the uprise. We've been saying the uprise for the last few years. Well, the, their star is definitely climbing, yeah. but I think that, that's a really tough one. I, I mean, I w- would I be upset if the Seahawks took it? Probably not. Would I be upset if Arizona or the Niners took it? Obviously not. But I think the Rams is one of those teams that's just they have the best defensive player in all of football right now, and that says a lot. I mean, we saw when the Patriots were sort of petering a little bit defense really carried them off the back of Hightower. Um, so you can, it, it goes to show that like a solid defensive player can really make the difference in games. And I think it's really hard to argue against the Rams being that force that when you look at gotta be part of the conversation. So yeah, I, I, I got, I, I got to go Rams. Unfortunately, I got to point you back to that uh, Super Bowl. Where they scored. What was it? Like 30 points minus 27 or something like that. Like against the, the Patriots, like the, the, the scheme that the Rams have has been like sort of figured out and they're able to yep. be managed. Now they can make you bleed in a lot of ways. That's for sure. Um, yep. And every game that Seattle plays in the division is tough. It's, it's maddening. Um, I kind of wish they were in an earlier, <laughs> like an easier division where they wouldn't yes. have to deal with this sort of stuff. But I think that makes the team better as a whole. Um, like the AFC East. Right. That would be incredible. That would just be amazing. I think Russ would have like four or five like conference championships by now. But I think one of the things you take a look at, at all the teams uh, in the NFC West, they're all just very, they're, they're built in different ways. Like, with the Rams, it's it's all about scheme and the fact that they just have so much like they're like the monsters on defense. They're just unbelievable, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can if you can stem that and you can score points against them, you can get in some shootouts, you can get a chance to win. Uh the Cardinals are like that sneaky little brother that like uppercuts you and actually hurts you. And you're like, I didn't see that coming. Like, so you always have to worry, like Seattle loses some games to them, and I'm just like, I don't understand it. Can we get back to when we used to like, you know, see them get blown out? Like that would be best. Yeah. And right now, the Niners are playing that really difficult team, but as much of the pieces are coming together, I'm not just trying to home. Like, I really do think this is going to be the year that the Hawks, uh, you know, take the division. So yeah, as I, I say Hawks, we'll see what happens. I, I do think just real quick. I do think Seattle has made enough moves to sort of harken back to the Legion of boom, uh, which I think that, you know, that was the Rams defense, you know, of then, was the the Seahawks those guys the, the entire Legion of Boom was the reason a lot of people tuned in because you know I like defensive football I don't mind low scoring games and I would tune in just to watch those guys light people up across the board oh, and great. watch and watch Sherman you know track people down and tough shit the whole time talking. he's oh, he's picking best. people up so I, I I it'd be cool to get back to that. Um, I don't think it's going to happen behind Russ, but yeah, okay, uh, yeah, sure. You want to talk about people getting picked off in practice? Jared Stidham, he threw five, like five or six passes, and he got picked off four times. So you're talking talk about a, you're talking about a backup or non-starter compared to a starter. That's not the same comparison. Everyone who listens to this podcast needs to go back like two or three episodes because you're like, I'm here for Jared Stidham. No, you're not. You're a Cam Newton fan in hiding. You just like you haven't come like the Homer <laughs> Simpson meme. You haven't come out of the bush yet. I would rather have Russ get picked off a thousand times in practice and not in the game. Practices, uh, practices unlike stats do matter. So, all right, let's uh, let's move on. This this is crazy. Rams, this is bullshit. 
right. <laughs> it's the Saints division to lose, is it not? I mean, uh, every year. Yeah. Every like, year. A team that has that much talent can just sleepwalk their way into the conference championship, which they've managed to do like quite a few times. So yeah. outside of them getting robbed by the Rams, uh, when they probably should have gone to the Super Bowl, and that's the Super Bowl we deserved, Saints Patriots, that would have been fantastic. Um, I think Brady will play spoiler for a couple games, and I think the Bucs could sweep the Saints because I, I feel like Brady's played them. He knows probably how to pick them apart. Their defense hasn't changed that much. Uh, he's got a coach that probably wants to let it rip now. So, like, maybe that will happen. But I do think that when you look at the division, the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Bucks are like 300 dogs that are just, like, fighting over scraps right now, which is going to help New Orleans sneak by because New Orleans won enough games, and I think probably by week 16 they've got the division locked up. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one because you don't know what to expect out of the Bucks. Like, you, you knew when Fitzmagic was behind it or Jameis Winston was behind it. You kind of knew what it was going to be. It was going to be a messy game that could go either way at any point, but likely wasn't going to work out in their favor. And if it did, it was kind of a surprise. So Tom Brady is hopefully going to be sort of a welcome fluidity to the season. Like you should at least have a general idea of what you're going to get week in and week out. The level of play, the football IQ, all that stuff is going to is going to weigh in there. I don't think they made enough moves, maybe like adding Gronkowski and some of the other. I mean, their wide receiver core right now looks pretty sick. Um, but Brady's wheelhouse has always been his tight ends because he doesn't have that long throw anymore. Uh a tough one. I think I still give the edge to the Saints. It's tough rooting against the Falcons because the Falcons, they're either always in the conversation or they just bottom out. Um, so they're not someone you just write off. They don't have many of those really bad seasons. So I think there's enough up in the air. I think you got to lean Saints anyway. Just Breeze and Camara. The the staff as a whole is just a monster and they do nothing but produce uh, and you have enough sort of up in the airs that outside of Atlanta the other two teams you're just not really sure what you're going to get I still don't know how I feel about Brady fitting in down there and what they're going to do down there I think in my opinion he probably should have just hung it up versus going learning a whole new scheme it's and gonna I be a lot of, it's it's gonna be a lot of here, here's what the bucks are gonna look like it's gonna be a lot of you know five ten yard 15 yard passes that are gonna be really reliant on the receiving core really knowing their routes because while people will argue that brady is inaccurate is he's, he's accurate to a fault because he's throwing exactly to a point where you need to be. And as we saw last year and the year before, and as we started rotating a lot of these newer receivers in the mix, if you're not on your routes, then it starts to show because Brady looks far more granted. He's old, right? So the accuracy is not there, but you can see what happens and the difference between throwing to somebody who like Dobson for a while looked really, really bad. And then he started running better routes, started running better lines. And like Magic, suddenly they started connecting. The same thing with Brandon Cooks while he was there. Like it takes receivers who aren't 
completely dialed into their routes. And Tom Brady tend to struggle a little bit because he's a perfectionist and he's going to throw it to a window every time. You've seen him do it a million times where he's throwing over the right shoulder of an offensive lineman and just out of reach of uh, a linebacker and just low enough the safety can't reach it. But if those receivers aren't running the routes right, that ball is going to look like it's five yards off the mark. So I think this year being their first year together and the limited practices they've had because of COVID, I know they sort of skirted some of that a little bit and he got in some hot water uh, early in the season trying to you know sneak in some extra practices. I think this year is going to be a little bit of a growing year. They're going to have some growing pains. Maybe next year I start considering them a little bit more based off of what happens here. But it, I, for me, it's the Saints. They've got enough polish. They've played together long enough. And you know, Drew Brees being one of the top five quarterbacks in the league is, you know, yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very difficult to contend with a team that doesn't have a defense and continues to put up points uh, like at will, like the, the Saints do. Um, and they've done it with Mark Ingram being there, without Ingram being there. Um, Kamar obviously gives them, you know, a very, very different dynamic. And, and Michael yes. Thomas has like magnets for hands. So like, yeah. it's going to be a problem no matter what you kind of get down there. I just do think that as we take a look at, the fact that the Saints really should have been in the big game at least once, maybe twice in like the last three to five years. And they've yeah. lost on like super fluke plays like the Minneapolis Miracle or Nicole Roby Coleman just blowing up the receiver uh, and you know, an egregious non-call. Like, Yeah, that was... It, you, you have to think that when Sean Payton wheeled in... There's a story about this last year. When Sean Payton like asked his players if he wanted to win the Super Bowl, he wheeled in a cart with stacks of money on it. And he was like, this is your player bonus. Now go out there and win the effing Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, so, like I have a feeling that there's just so much talent on that team. And the defense is just enough to keep the hemorrhaging at bay. And I do think that they're the ones who win the division again. Spoiler. I mean, Brady, you know, can win a couple games here or there, but I don't think yeah. it's going to be anything different. And of course, leaves us with the NFC North. Uh, I don't know if you're a big fan of the purple people eaters. Okay. But, uh, underrated defense. Kirk is now the, you like that in most games. Yeah. And I think the pack, while they can make it difficult, um, it's about scheme. Rogers is always going to be able to place the ball wherever he wants, but this is kind of the year that I think Minnesota's defense stiffens up a bit and they finally start kind of getting their act together on offense. Yeah. They wanted to run the ball. They fired, you know, that uh, Stefanski who's now the head coach of the Browns. They brought another offense coordinator. Things are opening up a little bit. Like that team has everything that you would need. They just haven't gelled yet. And once they do, I think they're going to be a little scary. So my, my pick, maybe it's a dark horse pick, but I think the Vikings are going to the North. Uh, I think Vikings is a great pick. Um, it's always hard to go against the Packers because of their, you know, their quarterback. But I think what you're starting to see, and I think you've seen it for a little while. I think I'm on record, at least on this podcast, saying I think Aaron Rodgers' peak has passed and we are on the other side of that hill. Um, I mean, he's up there. He's had some injuries. Um He's one of those that likes very much in the same vein as far where he just likes to air out as far and as long as he can. He still has a lot of accuracy, but I think the teams around him is starting to sort of falter a little bit. A lot of changes over the last two years. Um, but he's very, he's been very vocal about disagreeing with. So I think there's a lot of question marks on that team in general that might cause some 
you know, growing pains going into this season. Growing pains, obviously, is the, the key term throughout this whole season. Um, but again, you've had enough changes. You've had some coaching changes going into a season. We've had limited practices. You've had a little bit limited preseason. I'm sure, despite all the protocols in place, there may have been a couple Zoom calls prior to being cleared to to talk to each other for the start of the season. You know, going over playbooks and going over plays and rundowns, but it's very different from being on the field. You have limited practices and limited preseasons going into the season. Um, maybe that helps the injury bug. I don't think so. I'm not on the side of Aaron Rodgers when it comes to Aaron Rodgers versus time. Uh, he's taking too many hits. I don't think he's got the same support structure around him to kind of keep that longevity. Um, I hope he comes out and proves me wrong because he is fun to watch when he's on the field. And I've always enjoyed the conversation, you know, Brady versus Rodgers, Brady versus Rodgers. Uh, and he's, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, uh, despite what his postseason record may represent when this is all said and done. But he's always in the conversation in the season. But I just think, I gotta agree, the Vikings have done enough to kind of shore up some of their weaknesses going into this season. Um, Got a hungry QB trying to prove the league wrong. He's bounced around a bunch, got replaced more than once. So I think, think they've done enough. Maybe squeak a couple out. Rodgers and that team might make a run later in the season once they hopefully get plays under their belt. Uh, and who knows, maybe all this extended rest, everyone comes out playing like crazy and they run away with the division. But I, I tend to lean more Vikings as well. Yeah. Um, and, of course, we'll talk just, you know, briefly. I think that probably one of the strongest defensive minds in that uh, in that division is not for the Detroit Lions. Sorry, Matt. Uh, <laughs> if you listen to the podcast, uh, I do think that Matt Patricia has done a great job with what he's been handed. I do think that Stafford really lets it air out this year. I think yep. the team is more composed and put together. Um, but I think sort of like, you know, kind of like the NFC West, it's a tough division to be in. Like you got a team that's defensively, you know, minded in the Vikings and can score points when they want to. You have uh, another two games you got to face Aaron Rodgers. who just, I don't even think he looks where he wants to put the ball. He just flicks his wrist and just gets there. It's like telepathy. Yeah, it's, terrible, it's insane. Right? So, like, so there's not really much you can do about that. And I, I know that a lot has been made, you know, a lot of hoopla about Khalil Mack going to the Bears, Nick Foles coming over. But, like, you got quarterback controversy there. You got some injury history there. And I just don't think that those two teams are really going to – again, they could – anyone on Sunday could snap a game away from anyone else. I just yeah, would don't you think. Would I just you take Trubisky or Foles? Oh, Foles. Who's going Foles, I think so. Foles, Foles the Super Bowl MVP, and Trubisky, <laughs> like, the air mailed over people. I don't – I mean, I'm not very I mean, big – I mean, after that one season. Choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean – and also, shout out to Nick Foles in 2012 uh, when you were my fantasy quarterback on the Philadelphia Eagles because he had scored me tons of points with that 27 and two touchdown interception ratio. I mean, I lost in the playoffs that year, but yeah, NBD. Yeah, yeah. All right, I, I, I got to go Foles also. All righty. So that, that's the NFL. I mean, of course, to be determined. We'll see if uh, if COVID rears its ugly head and we get most of the season, anyways. But you know, uh, COVID's going to COVID. Yeah, COVID's getting COVID, but Seattle Seahawks are going to win the social media Super Bowl and the Super Bowl, the actual Super Bowl. 
And you can edit that part out, Tim. If, if this is wrong by like week six of the season, you'll go back and remaster it. <laughs> we're gonna re- we're gonna repost it like it never happened. <laughs> All right. Here's, NFL- here's what we're gonna do at the real quick. Here's what we're gonna do at the end of this football season. We're gonna go through. I'm going to edit out all of our takes that just were totally wrong. And we're going to make just an episode out of that. <laughs> we're going to stay honest. Oh my God, they were 100 for 100. You're, yeah, you're damn right we were. We're going to stay honest. Uh, we'll revisit all of the big ones. It might be a long podcast because we tend to talk too much. But we'll revisit all these. So remember everything we just picked. We'll see you guys in, uh, I don't know, like 12 months because football season goes on forever. Yeah, go Hawks. <laughs> All right, look, the NFL is obviously fun, and that's a bright spot. Good social media videos. Keep those coming, uh, Twitter and Instagram. We need that for sure. Uh, but, of course, no good deed goes unpunished, which means we have to deal with the Major League Baseball, which is oh, more dramatic. Whoa, 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 whoa. You hurt my Major feelings here having to deal with it. Major League Baseball is more dramatic than The Bachelor this season. It is unbelievable. And if you're a yeah. fan of the Red Sox, that's exactly what it feels like. This is just like, oh, this is yeah. painful. Yeah, I mean, it was socks. it was fun while it lasted. Like opening day, woo! It was good. It was good. They, they got a yeah. couple of teams. They won. They set a franchise record. Yep. And then now they're setting another franchise record. Oh, uh, what franchise record do we set this time? Uh, they have the worst winning percentage in franchise history. So it's oh, not good. God. It's not good. They are no. six and sixteen. Uh, last week we were only outscored by about six or seven runs. So it still looked like we had some promise. Jump ahead one week. We have been outscored by 42 runs this season. Hold on. Like, like over the hill plus two, 42? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good. By good, I mean not good. Uh, the starting rotation is three and an astounding 13 with an ERA of 7.13. And they rank dead last in whip. That's bad. Whip or walks plus hits per innings pitched. That's that percentage. Uh, we rank last in that. And we understand Sale and Rodriguez, they're both out. All that really means is that there's no help coming either. So we are in this for the long run. And if you were thinking our offense, yeah, they're going to keep this train rolling and they're going to turn themselves around. Not so much. Martinez is hitting 238. Devers is an awesome 182 and Jackie Bradley Jr. is a definite awesome at 234 with an OPS of only 581. Uh, what that all means and equates to is total and complete hot garbage. Hot garbage. And I get it. There's no quarterback. I, there's no quarterback. I get it. Uh, our coach. We, a, we would take a quarterback. We would on the take Red a quarterback. We, well, let's take Tom Murray, Brady. Take on the Red Sox right now. We would do that. I, I would do I that. Two percent. Let's go. Yes, I would do that in a second. Uh, what that means is there's there's just no help coming. Our stars that remained on the team are stumbling right out of the gate. Uh, our coach, I understand, was let go because of his role in the the Astros cheating scandal. Uh, so totally deserves it. Peace out, Cub Scout. Good luck. But this is real bad. This is real bad. You yeah. would think baseball is one of those sports where coaching, I think, in my opinion, day-to-day functions have the least amount of impact. You have hitting coaches, obviously, that matter. You have positional coaches that matter. You have pitching coaches that matter. All of those roles matter. 
but a head coach I don't think matters quite as much in the normal play of the game. Obviously, we saw with Cora during uh, the postseasons where he made some phenomenal decisions that extended some of their runs and put them in pretty good positions to win. But I think like he's not going to control how well JD's hitting. Would he move him around to help motivate him in the lineup? Potentially. Would he do the same with the others? Potentially. Might he shift some of the uh, starting rotation to kind of help motivate some folks? Maybe. Those are all things that are just general maybes. But he's not going to get out there and take swings or throw the ball for people. This is just the team completely underperforming across the board. You wonder how much of that might be a hit to morale. Some of it is just the weirdness of the season. But that can't be the case because... Well, I'm going to backtrack there for a second. It might be the case because what we're going to talk about here in a second is teams that are just continuing to win. And some of those win, some of those teams aren't teams that generally are in that blow you away winning category. So, yeah, but I feel like this is one of those seasons where like, what, you got 60 games. You don't need to go, go on necessarily like 10, 15 game winning streaks. But if you can stack a couple of them, that makes your team all the more dangerous because you don't have to wait for the all-star break and then try and play second yeah. phase baseball. I mean, it's but so have, tough. Like all, all we have is 38 every, games left though. Every That's time, it. every time, Tim, every time that the Dodgers are on TV, I, I die a little bit inside. I want to watch, mm-hmm. I want to watch Mookie, but then I do. And then he scores a hit or a home run and I just turn it off. I just like, I yeah, rage quit. Is, I rage quit watching the game. I'm like, season. Oh my God. Like Red Sox. What were you doing? crushing it this season that man i'm good for him though good for him sometimes he has a a, i'm gonna call it now in my way too early mlb predictions first ballot hall of famer moogie bets not just for his at bats but also in his in his defensive play that man is just a star and barring some significant career-ending injury knock on wood that doesn't happen He's destined for just amazing things. He'll be a staple for for a long time. And I'm really sad, really sad we let that go. Yeah, and I don't I don't really disagree with you. I think that he he was in a really good spot in 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 Boston. And then I think once he was brought out to the West Coast, I think he really the floodgates were just open for him. So I think like he's just he's just allowed to do like some things over there that we're all looking at here, just being like. I remember when he could have done that year. Funny, (laughs) funny enough, though. Quick little. There's nothing funny about Mookie being an anecdotal story about about him. Uh, I met him once, and it was really awkward, and I couldn't quite get a bearing on it. So I had the fortunate luck of being able to go to a Red Sox game and go down on the field, and I got to spend time with JD. I got to spend time with Jackie Bradley Jr. and I got to spend time with a lot of the players, and Mookie was one of them. But the whole interaction was weird. And it kind of felt like when you're standing next to someone and you think they're upset and you're kind of wondering like why they're mad at you. Kind of felt like that. And it wasn't until afterwards I learned that he's actually a really awkward and a really quiet, like, keeping to himself dude. The whole time we were there, uh, from the start of, like, on-field practice, through batting practice, through the batting practice of, like, the Texas Rangers, he just sat in the stands and talked to one of his good friends who I think is also... I don't know if it's his agent or like promoter. There's some business relationship that the two of them had. They literally sat in the first row of the stands, just shooting the shit for like two hours the entire time. And the whole time I'm like, oh, he's really put out by this. I'm I don't want to bother anybody by any of this. Uh so shout out to Marley Rivera. 
one of the nicest ladies at ESPN. She's actually going to be on this podcast later. Knows every MLB player plus their history, where they're from, and all those players also know her. So she was the one that kind of set me up with all this. It wasn't until afterwards she was like, "No, no, 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 no." He's he's and he seemed like a nice enough guy. He just seemed distant and like bothered by it. And it just turns out that he's really, really quiet. So for me, the move to LA sort of surprised me a little bit because, you know, some of the rumors that LeBron going to LA or Tom Brady considering LA is that they wanted to make breaks into Hollywood or other facets of entertainment. Mookie doesn't strike me as that type. So the fact that he would go, if he was quiet in Boston and reserved, what, about going to Los Angeles would would change that. Um, but hey, uh, I'm, I am sad he's leaving. Right, well, I'm sad he left. Uh, <laughs> it I'm, sad, I'm sad he's doing <laughs> selfishly. I'm sad he's doing as well as he was doing. I was really hoping this was going to turn into like a Hanley Ramirez type scenario where you'd have like a year or two of success and then go right down the drain and then maybe we can reel him back in and and squeak some some minor success out of him before it really fell out. But no, good for no, him man yeah good that, for him that was never gonna happen and i dude, bet dude you know, got he, paid and he deserved it 100 percent. you know you said he's a quiet and reserved guy but i think he could see into the future and he could know that you're gonna trash him on this podcast so he's like i'm not talking to this dude four years whoa, from now whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. there's no trashing of anybody here okay I'm, all right team right. mookie oh for sure I'm sad he left in I'm just saying, he didn't strike me as that socially outgoing figure who would flourish in a place like Los Angeles. So the fact that he was that happy to get out there, maybe maybe it's opened a door. Maybe he's like discovering himself now. Who knows? Who knows? Well, I mean, I was pretty, Mookie. Yeah, I was pretty sure that uh, you weren't a Dodgers fan either, and you're pretty socially reserved. But here we are, moving mm-hmm. on. Look, mm-hmm. you talk about the teams that are winning, teams that are winning and teams that are winning and they're continuing to win uh, the most winning that we've ever seen in baseball season in 60 games. Uh, the Braves, again, the Bronx Bombers. Look, like I want to be mad, but I also know that the Red Sox cannot realistically put enough of an effort to make this a rivalry this year. So when we get swept by the Yankees, I just sort of accept it. As long as we put up a few runs, like it's good. But like I do kind of want to see the Yanks crush a couple teams, the Astros being one of them. Um, yes. The Diamondbacks. Eight and three in their last eleven games after they started three and eight. What is that? You know what I mean? And the Oakland A's? Like what? Yeah. Both of those, yeah. Both the uh, the West Coast is really showing out right now. Um, but the West Coast, so that's why. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if we look, I mean outside of the Braves and the Yankees, the teams that have some of the best records right now, Dodgers, Arizona, Oakland, it's I think some of it goes to show. I mean, they're they're, they're both decent teams. Uh, I think it just kind of goes to show how up in the air this season actually is from a playable perspective. Like you had an extended period of time off. You had no practices or preseasons leading up to this. You literally went, "Oh, it's go time." Okay, cool. We have a couple of weeks to prepare after not playing. And I gotta say, and no offense to. Baseball players across the world, they're not the most athletic bunch, right? So a lot of them are. Like Judge and Stanton, they're obviously jacked. Uh, Trout. All those guys clearly were Harper. All of them work out. Mo- most players work out in some capacity. But 
not to the same level. I'm sure they're not out running sprints. I'm sure they're not out like powerlifting like an NFL player would or doing a lot of uh, cardio like an NBA player would. So it, being how up in the air the season was, I'm sure a lot of players are banking on it actually not happening. Uh, not happening. And I think... I think what we're going to start seeing is a lot of these weird shifts in some of the winning that you tend to see year in and year out by the same teams over and over and over again. I think the Dodgers are quickly moving back into the realm of where they were before, where you know spending and the awe and the attraction of New York was bringing in high-profile talent. Because now it's like, who are you going to pitch to on that roster that's not going to potentially cause damage. Um, I think this might be one of those years where they just blow everyone out of the water. Thankfully, it's a condensed season, so we don't have to hear that much about it, and it's going to have an asterisk. I think the but Sox... When you're in I this think series, the, all you're going to hear is about, oh, well, he was with the Red Sox, and the Red Sox decided not to retain him, and look what he's doing with the Dodgers, and we're going to go, mute. Close yeah. caption. Thank you. I also, I also think the Sox-Yankees rivalry has been dead for a little while and i know that's blasphemous as a Sox fan uh it's just don't show up to the fight is it really a rivalry yeah and i just it's it's not there anymore i think we're not we're not approaching a rebuild year we have enough up in the airs like we got some players locked in like jd's probably not going anywhere for a little while um i think we'll be fine but just not not this year we need to make some moves for a coach more than you know a couple weeks from the start of a shortened season, which I'm going to yeah. go ahead and assume was the move. They just decided to wait, see how this season goes, and then make a move for a coach going into next season because everyone assumed there would either be no season or at least an abbreviated season. And you're not trying to go into a coaching negotiation for four years, three three to five years, and spend you know $4 million this year on someone to coach half of a season that may not even happen. So maybe that part was a little bit of a business move. Um, interim coach right now is not doing so great. So I doubt he's going to be signed on unless something drastically changes. There's still time ish. We're nine and a half games back with 38 games to go. Probably not enough time. Um, unless they start changing the way they play. So let, let's do this. Let's go ahead and give them another 19 games and if in 19 games that their stance has not changed completely then we need to have a backup team right it can't be the yankees yeah just can't so if if it's let's go dodgers. oh my goodness why would it's, you do that i was gonna say let's go the, marlins it's the, the dodgers are basically the Sox b team yes okay that's but where, this is the, that's that's this, where that's where the red sox players go when they're linda 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 listen linda. linda listen this this is the thing we need to be doing you can support the Dodgers all day long. You're a fan. It was that was disclosed in like pod one or two. So I can't call you a bandwagon. You you've been rocking with them since day one. But Chris Cody, hope you listen to this. I'm a I'm a roll with the Marlins, man. A team that is going to get past COVID nineteen in the season of COVID nineteen and is winning games right now, and is getting their social media game on too. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're going to be the feel good team. I'm a, I'm going to roll. If the Sox sort of just like kind of go kaputs, I'm just gonna. I'll look at the ESPN updates. I won't watch the games. I, For I the record, my first ever baseball card was a Daryl Strawberry card on this old school. I'm going to really date myself. But when I was a kid, we used to have this awesome thing called Sports Talk. I think it was called like Sports Talk Radio. But basically, you would get these oversized baseball cards. And on the back of it, they would have this sort of vinyl or like plasticky disc. And you would put it in this contraption and you would play 
and it would actually play audio from the back of the card. And a lot of it was like audio from games or interviews and whatnot. And the first one I ever had was Daryl Strawberry. And the first signed baseball I ever had was from a player I couldn't even tell you now, but it was a Expo Dodgers game way back in the day. So my first foul ball I ever caught, first signed baseball I ever had was at a Dodgers game. So I got a little loyalty there. I gotta, I gotta buy into it. Sox game from Sox games were on the TV from day one, so I was always a fan. But Dodgers was the team I got to sit and watch first. So anyway, that's, shout out Sports Talk Radio. If you find one of those on eBay, send it my way. That's that's totally fun, understandable. I, I actually do. I, I only have like a few baseball cards left. I didn't really collect a lot of them as kids. I collected like Pogs and Hot Wheels and action figures and all that stuff. But uh, Bruce Bashing. He's a minor mm. league player. I got a signed car from him. My, my my grandfather got it for me. I had no idea who this dude was. I, I still don't really. I got to look that guy up. But that's that's the first baseball card I got. And then I, I got you know the Cal Ripken Jr. cards. You got to get the Cal Ripken Jr. cards. They're, they're not worth anything, but to me they are. All right. Yeah. So we're talking about winning. We're talking about Major League Baseball. And we've also like railed really hard on, on, on the MLB for like being way too uptight. And it just continues to happen, right? There is a drama between the the, the union uh, and the league itself. There's these outbreaks. There are pitchers that are being sent to the minor leagues because they're deciding to go to bars rather than quarantine with their with their own teammates. And people are saying, if you don't kick this guy off the team, I'm opting out. This has just been a wild season for, for Major League Baseball. And then we have all this crap this past week about unwritten rules. I'm going to give you my unwritten opinion about this unwritten rule that occurs in baseball and Fernando Teddy's Jr. Okay. Listen, sometimes you're going to stink up the game. Okay. And your teeth are going to get kicked in. That's a part of baseball. It's a very long nine inning game. And even if you get behind early, we've all witnessed miraculous scoring comebacks where a team scores six or seven to tie it up in the ninth. And then they might even win some of those games. So sometimes what you got to do when you're getting kicked in the teeth is come up with a better plan and just keep going. You got to buck up. If you win, fantastic. Great. If you lose, take it on the chin, hit the showers, have a cold beer. That's the way she goes sometimes, right? Don't give me this bullshit. Oh, you don't tattoo a 3-0 and pitch for a grand slam when you already have seven runs in the eighth. It's an unwritten rule. Shout out to Greg for that inspiration on this rant. That's just this antiquated mess. That, I just, that doesn't resonate with players, doesn't resonate with fans. And it's part of the reason why young folks don't want to play baseball. Don't flip your bat. Don't wear a facial hair if you're a Yankees player. Don't go up, you know, when you're up 3-0 and get a grand slam. What, what was the point? That pitcher put all those people on the bases, and then he lobbed three easy pitches to you and said, Wink, I'm going to throw you a fourth one, but don't bean this out of the park. No, I'm not here for this at all. If you want to grow the game, you have to realize sometimes the highest of highs come with the lowest of lows. You need both to season a team. It can't be done without it. And I don't care if you're up by three runs or ten runs. If teams were to put as much effort this year into pitching strategically as they did to steal signs, we would not have to tell players, hey, tone it down. I know you're the face of the sport right now, but please relax. No, get out of here with that. Baseball has always been a game about smashing brutes and we need to get back to those exciting things and if grand slams happen for no reason egregious bad flips and no COVID outbreaks 
then that would be fantastic. But the MLB needs to get their act together because, like I said earlier, this is like a season of The Bachelor, and I watch The Bachelor once a week, not five times a week. <laughs> uh, well said. I got to agree with you. Um, as a baseball player growing up and a big fan who watches now, there's nothing that bothers me more than the phrase of an unwritten rule. It's unwritten. Which write them down if you want to be followed. Like, this yeah. is 2020. It's, write them down. And there's so many of them in baseball that you can't even, like, you can't keep up with them, right? If you are throwing a pitch to someone who's standing up there to hit a baseball, mm. make it so that he cannot hit the baseball. If you're oh, intentionally yeah. trying to walk someone on a 3-0 and pitch, throw it so far outside that he cannot hit the ball. His job is to stand up there and swing the bat. Some of the performance bonuses on his contract require that he not only swings the bat, but swings in a very proficient manner. Yeah. However, some of your stats show that you should, pro- or some of your performance bonuses should also lean towards not letting him hit the damn ball. Um, the bat flip thing, like, there's nothing as a baseball player. I don't care how many times you get up and you swing the bat. Golf Golfers can relate. When you stand at the tee box or you stand in the batter's box and you make solid contact with that ball, which is a feat that in baseball specifically should be physically impossible. And you send that thing 400 yards or 400 feet rather. uh, It's a feeling like nothing else that you get because you have just done something you obviously trained for, for a long time. You did it as best as you can possibly do it, and you've positively impacted the outcome of the game. Uh, you're going. Your natural reaction is to celebrate, right? If we look at the opposite side and we look at the no fun league NFL, they literally celebrate the most remedial stuff that they could possibly do. A defensive lineman will sack a quarterback. And he gets up and runs downfield like he just scored a touchdown, even if they're down by 30 points, right? They celebrate all the little victories. They celebrate everything they've done to help and get them should. to everything. Agreed. They should. If I'm crushing a 400-foot home run, I am going to flip my bat. I'm going to watch that thing sail over the fence and admire what I was just able to do. And if that pisses you off, that's your fault for putting in a pitch and not only could I read, but I can make contact on. Uh, don't step over the line. Don't run up the score. You are a professional sports franchise. If you don't want the score ran up, stop letting them score points. That's the same yeah. argument with football. The Patriots are running up the score. No, you're failing to stop them from scoring touchdowns. That's the difference. They're not running up the score. You're failing at your job, the 50-50 job that you signed up for, Stop them from scoring points. You have one other job. It's to score points. If you're failing there, the other side of that is to stop the other team from scoring points. That's how games work. But it turns a bunch of grown-ups, a bunch of grown men, into little whiny babies who can't quite control their emotions when, I'm sorry, you just got outplayed. You're a chess player and you get beat. You can't sit up and throw the king at the guy's face. Like That just isn't how that happens. You can't bean a player because the player before him hit a home run. Like these unwritten rules, like 
I hit two home runs in a game, the idea that I'm going to stand up there at my third at bat and I might get hit because I hit too many home runs, get out of here. Like, your job is to be better at your job than I am at my job. If I'm a batter, you need to be better at pitching so that I can't hit it. If I'm a pitcher, I need to be better than you are at hitting. If I'm a fielder, I need to put myself in a position where I'm going to make a play. All of that stuff is just nonsense. And baseball, like any other sport, has more unwritten rules. Like, unwritten rules like stealing signs. The manner that the Astros did it is obviously wrong. You used equipment like technology and audio equipment and a system to track that. But if I'm standing on second base and you're being so obvious about the signs you're giving your pitcher and I can see that, I'm like, oh, here's what's coming. Am I going to try and tip someone off? Sure, it's the nature of the game. Am I going to be like, oh, there's a fastball coming. Let me just watch this guy take this fastball. And, oh, here's a slider coming on the outside. Let's just watch this. Let's see how this works out for him. No, I feel compelled to let him know because you were just too obvious and you're not mixing up your signs. Like, it's... Baseball has an ego that needs to put in check because it's causing drastic changes in its viewership because people are just tired of hearing about it. Like... What it's also causing is like you saw Trout, who got almost beamed in the head. To tell me the Giants purposely meant to throw at his head is so asinine. It was just a pitch that went awry, right? Any pitcher can tell you they roughly know within a small range where that ball is going to go, and most of them can get there. But every now and again, you're literally throwing your arm in a super unnatural movement to get this small ball made out of rawhide and string to get to a point. It's going to go south every now and again, but then that starts the conversation. Like, oh my God, you threw at him, you were headhunting, and it starts this whole spiral chain of unwritten rules where the next time your DH gets up because he's batting for your pitcher, he's going to get plugged, and then your pitcher has to go out and has to plug him back. It's just, there's no time for it. I'm not here for it. I'm over it. It's an acclimated, old-timey thing that nobody even understands what half of it is anymore. We don't know what the unwritten rules are, and you have, quote-unquote, enforcers of the... Un- you can see the air quotes on my fingers, but the, the enforcers of the unwritten rule and people who are trying to write the dictionary on it, and it's just, nah. Yeah. Shout-out nah. Shout out to Shay Serrano, uh, a big media personality for The Ringer, author check him out on twitter he said so so hold on you have to explain this to me if you suck at your job three times in a row and you suck at your job a fourth time in a row i'm supposed to just let you just get by with that hell no i'm sending that thing into the upper deck now he was a lot more colorful in the language than that but that's what it comes down to like if we want to talk about 4-0 pitches then you you need to have a conversation with your pitchers about what it is they're doing and and how much like like if you want a guy to go 4-0 and walk throw it so far out that there's no way he swings for it just, just let that be known. But if a guy like Joe Kelly can almost hit someone three times in a row and not hit someone, you know, the, the Trout Giants thing, like that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But all this, these other unwritten rules, which are archaic, that's what they are. They're just – they're sucking the lifeblood out of the sport. And in a couple yeah. of years when we don't have, you know, maybe post-COVID-19, when we don't have this new crop of – fresh minor leaguers because, ooh, 40 teams disappear from the minor leagues and, ooh, the unwritten rules and, ooh, this and, ooh, that and no pay. Like, okay, MLB can sit high on its throne because it it played the game in an uber-respectful manner. 
But that doesn't drive views. That doesn't drive clicks. That doesn't drive advertising revenue. And that doesn't drive the game to be better. The, su- the super classy manner, says the Astros. <laughs> all right. So we, we've talked about all that. Now, I know we talked in the last episode about the NCAA. And, I, I, you know, I listened to it. Obviously, you know, we were we were pretty, pretty heated about it. You know, college football is, is a very big thing. But I just want to take a quick moment here to say that it's easy from our position where our financial futures aren't hinging on playing college football this year that, that maybe our words were a little harsh, right? Obviously, what we want to make clear is, look, we feel for the players. But also, we want their well-being to be attended to as if they weren't playing. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't seem to be the case right now. Um, they bring in significant amounts of money to their universities. And as such, they deserve to be a significant part of the plans to safeguard their own livelihoods post-NCAA whether or not they play professional sports. And it's still unacceptable to me that we have no solid plan because some leagues are opting for spring ball, which is uh, a spring season, summer camp, and then a fall season back to back to back, which is not good. And then others are still trying to go forward, you know, releasing their schedules and trying to get hype up. Like, are we still acting like traveling and not having sports in a bubble is a good idea? Like, okay then, but uh ncaa players out there like we feel for you obviously like we missed march madness like that was the the first domino to fall like we didn't see any of that we didn't see you know college baseball or college softball this year little league world series should have been going on now but like that's not happening like everyone has taken l's and the players in the ncaa have taken l's i think for too long and we're going to see this change in the next few years covid is just sort of the start of it with name image likeness like we talked about but man like eight months into a global pandemic. Like there's gotta be a better plan. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they're fairly compensated for how much money they bring in. Um, I mean, we've talked about this before and I think everyone understands where my stance is on football players in the NCAA or athletes in general. I think unfortunately not all athletes inside college sports are the same. Like, is baseball bringing in the same revenue stream to colleges as football players? No, unfortunately not. Is hockey even so less? And then we start getting into some of the other fringe sports, lacrosse, field hockey, all the way down the line. Uh, a lot of those players may go on and do, like, Olympic athletes or Olympic events and become stars in the Olympics. But are they generating a lot of revenue for their school? No, unfortunately, uh, football is just so drastically different in its following, which conversation around the time is weird in its own right. Um, but I think there's something that unfairly happens more so with college football players than with any other uh, athletes in all of football. I mean, all of college where you are going out and you are scouting players based off of a couple things. One... Uh, how good they are, what they'll do for your team, which should in turn increase your winning percentage, which in turn increases interest in other future prospects. But also it brings in people who want to sit and watch. Like if you bring in an exciting player to the top you the top high school quarterback in the entire US and you bring him into your program, obviously that's going to bring some attention and some viewership and and whatnot. But the amount of money that these people are bringing in for their schools is so drastically different than what they're getting out of it. 
Right? There are far more players on every team, and this is across the board. There are plenty of teams in the, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, who have half of their team not go on to play professional sports in the capacity. Most of them, though they spent four years in school, aren't necessarily graduating with skills in whatever it is that they're currently going to school for because it's almost impossible because the demands that are put on each one of these student athletes, you always hear and it's always celebrated the college athlete that got his master's or got his doctorate. But you also hear more often than not how many times an NFL player goes on and then goes back to school to pick up their doctorate or continue their education because they felt that education was important. But you have like just at my school or at our school at USM, those athletes, most of them didn't go on to go anywhere. But how many of them did we see doing two-a-days? How many of them did we see reporting for preseason for whatever their sport was? How many of them did we see in practices and traveling on days where they had classes or getting ready to play games on days where they also had classes? Uh, That number is so high. So anybody who tells me that, well, they're getting an education. No, they're not getting the same education as a regular student. It's in possible for that to happen and then there's a large portion of them who also have to work in some capacity to help pay for some of their expenses because their parents didn't have a ton of money and the school may not be offering a full scholarship yet you everyone has seen the videos of the training rooms where they offer a full-time scholarship to some guy who was like a walk-on or something like that love that content absolutely i'm here for all that Yeah, but it goes to show you how many of the people who are in that room aren't getting the same benefits as the top prospects who got signed to a full scholarship. It's probably more than what you would expect. So I'm actually on the opposite of this, and I think everything we said last week was spot on. I'm passionate about it now. I think we don't do enough to care for college athletes if we're going to continue to push boosters and payouts and whatnot for a lot of these schools. When you have anybody who comes out and their first thought is not, we feel the safety of our, our students and our athletes uh, is in good hands and we could take care of them. If that's not the first thing out of your mouth, if it's we stand to lose X amount of dollars and it's in the almost $200 million range, then that goes to show me that you're disingenuous in what you're looking at. Right? That $200 million is a lot of money. But if you're a school like any of the, the let's say, the, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 or anybody who belongs to any of these major divisional uh, systems, $200 million is more than likely a drop in the bucket compared to what you're bringing in in tuition where you're charging $50,000 per kid to come to school and you have, you know, 10,000 students. Like it's, we get it. It's a big impact. It's a big impact for the local economy where people are renting hotels and eating out at restaurants. We get all of that. But the major focus of all this shouldn't just be finance. If it was finance, everyone would be back to work. It's not though. There are conversations about sending our children back to kindergarten and preschool and high school. Your college campuses are already saying, you know, it's we don't know how we feel about having college kids on campus because there's a potential outbreak. And we say this all the time. We can get into the nitty gritty of the political side of is this a bad thing? Is this not a bad thing? Say the percentage rate is a 
making all these numbers off the top of my head, but uh, 50,000 college kids and the death rate is like 0.5%. That's what? 65,000 kids, 50,000 kids who are going to potentially die just from going to college. Sure. You can make arguments about drinking and all these other things, but like the total population of kids in college is probably much higher than that. That's still too much of a risk to even think about it because you don't have a plan in place. If the risk is that high when you say students can't be on campus, but you know what? We need these college athletes because are they are they having the same conversations about baseball? Of course they're not. Are they having the same call the, the same conversations about any of the other team uh, any of the other teams that those schools have maybe outside of basketball because that's the other major revenue stream? You're not. You're not hearing any of those conversations. They're looking at this in the sense of dollar signs and what it means financially to their programs and it's unfair to put the responsibility on these kids to make their decisions and i think while i sat with some of these kids who want to get out and do what they're passionate about i think they lack the understanding and the ability to make some of these decisions because all they're also seeing is dollar signs they have agents talking in their ears they have their family that they're looking at home that they have to take care of and they're thinking the hell with it let's just go out and do this and suddenly someone ends up like eduardo rodriguez and who knows Say you have yeah. long-term health issues and your heart never goes back to the right size. Now what? You just literally cashed it all in and put everyone around you at risk because you all you could think about was the money side of things. And I think it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you on that. I, I just feel like a lot of college athletes, like they're in between a rock and a hard place. So like when I said like maybe I was too harsh on that, I wasn't saying like I was retracting my statement or our statement like... I'm still coming hard as hell at the uh, at the folks who are the commissioners of these leagues who just waited to not see what they were going to do. Like yeah. you've read more articles and you're like, oh, well, we weren't going to make a decision until someone else did. Wow. You really didn't care about your students enough that you didn't have the, any of these exploratory conversations with the NCAA or other leagues yep. to see what was going to be done. You could have – taken a massive L this season like everyone else is going to, but you decided you wanted to push forward because you knew that you were going to be able to exploit because that's what it is. It's an exploitation of a situation where someone mm -hmm. needs you more than you need them because you can just replace them next season with someone else. Like that's the part that like is just so upsetting the most. Yeah. Like where's the know, outrage? Where's the outrage over the wrestling teams? None. Where's the outrage over the baseball teams we already talked about? None. Any of the other sports you have heard, zero about any of the concerns because they said they're canceling all sports for the season. Yet, I don't see any major rallying around any of the other programs. It's only the ones that make money, and it's because it's 100% a financial plan. And I think it's, like you said, taking complete advantage of, and I've said it before, kids. To me, they're kids. Like I have been yeah. on a. Have you been? Have you been to a college campus in you the last like ten years? Once. I know. Have you been to a college campus in the last ten years? I mean, no, because that'd be like weird and creepy, wouldn't it? You know what I mean? Like I'm like thirty. If not, go find a couple nineteen and twenty year olds and tell me they're grown adults. Go on TikTok right now and tell Again. me those 19 and 20 year olds right. Come on. Come are grown ups. They're not. Most of these people get into the league before the age of two. I'm not saying they're doing dumb things. Just, I'm saying dumb things in college. Allegedly, we just, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying they're what they're doing in college is wrong or the decisions they're making in college are wrong. But what I'm saying 
is I don't think they have enough information. All you have is people, and unfortunately, not everyone has a good family life. They also see dollar signs, and they also see that their son has made it, so now they're going to take care of me as well. So, and I can't, it would be fair, it wouldn't be fair to say that everyone's got that same thing. But there are going to be a lot of people who have their family giving them bad advice to continue on, whatever. Their colleges are going to give them bad advice. Also giving them bad advice, yeah. Because that's financial aid. Some of them are probably also speaking to agents or these people who might be revol- might be involved in maybe the, the drafting process for some of these teams. Like, not that that ever happens, but suddenly you see a guy showing up at college day wearing, you know, all shiny necklaces and a decked out suit. Yeah, I'm sure he paid for that, and I'm sure the school paid for that. Um, but I think when you, if you were to look at an, at, don't forget, a lot of these guys get into the league and they're not even 21 yet. Like you see, like hockey players, for example, you see them all the time. There was, was it Pasternak or, or when the year the, oh no, it wasn't Pasternak. The year the Bruins won, it was uh, Sagan was photographed in a bar drinking. And that was all the outrage. He wasn't even 21 yet. So like a lot of these professional players get into the league and they're not even, they're not, they're not even 21 yet. So we can't even literally call them that. Sure. Can they vote? Yep. Can they buy cigarettes? Great. Can they buy booze? Nope. Can they rent a car? Nope. So there's like like fine line in between, but I think it goes back to what I'm saying about the ability for especially young men and the development of their brain. Like this is a scientific fact that the frontal lobe of a male does not fully develop. And that is a hundred percent driven or the, the, the function that drives all your decision-making as a young man doesn't even fully develop until you're like, I want to say it's like 26, 27, 28. You're already well into your career. So you have all of these kids. I'm going to keep calling them kids. All these kids. They're so disingenuous. Dr- you can't call them kids. They're adults. When they turn 18, they're legal age. They might not be a full blown adult to, to drink alcohol or rent cars. You can't, you, can't say, you can't say they're adults, but not full-blown adults. That's not how that works. You're an Correct. Adult, you're yeah, you proved adult. my point. So they have to be called adults. You can't call them kids. They're adults. But no, because they don't have all the freedoms of, afforded to adults. Well, are they freedoms? Because they have the ability to to move, practice whatever religion they want, vote, own guns. Okay, they just don't, okay, have, they so don't have the ability to go to a bar and rent a car. Actually, which is not, not the worst thing in the world. Is, is it 18 or is it 21? Because I feel like to buy a gun, you have to be 21. Yeah, this is the Stats Anyways, Matter podcast, anyone, not like someone, legal someone fact, podcast. <laughs> someone fact check that for us. Um, <laughs> what I'm saying is you can't just go into the world and do whatever you want until you're at least 21, right? You can't run a car until you're 21 at least. Yeah, Most of the time, you can't even run a car until you're like 23 because they also know your decision making is really bad. You can be on your parents' health insurance until you're like 23. Like it is, 26, it, actually. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> look, what are you going to tell me? A twenty-six-year-old on so their parents' get, health insurance no, isn't, so isn't like an care. adult or a child? No. Come on. So you get we, we are going a lot of this. way off the deep end here. Listen, anyway, the the big thing is obviously this is going to affect a lot of sports going forward, um, and it is just disingenuous. If it was about the health of the players, I think that they would have come out probably in in April or May when things were really beginning to turn up. And we were worried about a second wave in the fall. They would have come out with a plan then, and we, uh, we would have had something to go off on it. But the fact that it's it's TV deals, it's we're we're saying to lose this many millions of dollars. That's never going to sit well with me um, because 
the NCAA and those institutions are always going to have the upper hand on the players. It's uh, you either kind of, you know, you adhere to the sort of social pressure or you're out. And that is the business side of an amateur sport. Like, yeah, I don't, it's not supposed to be like that. Yeah. If, uh, if you listen to this and you hear this, find one of the social media, each Sam and I both post on our own personal social media pages. We got an Instagram page, our own Instagram page. If you find it, if you listen to this, I need to know whether or not you think these kids are grown adults and should be able to make their own decisions. We're going to make or, a poll on this. Oh, my goodness. Kind of like a poll. But I, I want to know like what the general consensus is because I'm willing to bet it probably falls along the political divide like everything else does. If you listen to this, yeah, I would bro. love to know whether or not you think, I'm sure I can guess who's going to pick college football should be played, and it should not be. At what point are college kids able to make their own decisions regarding the longevity of their future? And if it should be them or it should be like the people responsible for them, like the schools that they go to. That's all. I want to hear yeah. from you guys. Let us Only know. like four different questions. Okay. All right, Tim, let's go wrap up episode 12 here. Um, it's our favorite segment, What's in Our Cup. Obviously, big craft beer fans, doesn't uh, it didn't slow down really in the, in the pandemic. People are still producing a lot of beer. People are still selling to go. They're kind of go around some of these really archaic MLB, I mean, alcohol uh, tax and <laughs> you know, licensing uh, laws. So it, it's it's been not a bad time for craft beer but it hasn't been a fantastic time either but i went to i went to a brewery this weekend up in uh upper marlboro maryland called calvert brewing and uh, there could only be a maximum of five people inside at any time there were no seats so that you just had to kind of sit outside which is really neat because we had like a couple tents and there were folks that were all socially distanced uh, sitting away from each other and there's just kind of a motley crew of us. There was probably like 10 or 11 people like spaced out over like 20 or 30 feet. And we're all just like drinking beers. And then after like two or three minutes, people were like, yeah, so what have you been doing this entire time? You know, like we don't even know each other. We're just like talking about, you know, binging shows on Netflix. And of course that evolved into politics before we all went our separate ways. But we all, we all brought it back to the beer. Shout out to Calvert Brewing. And I, I got a four pack of this Pilsner to go. It's called Jackson Pilsner. 5.41%. That's pretty precise. Nice, easy drinker. <laughs> Got a skateboarder on the front of it. I'm trying to live out my my heyday when I used to be a skateboarder when I had the long hair and I was not a good skateboarder, but I like watching the movies. So, cheers, buddy. <laughs> I am drinking Blue Bubbler from Hog River. It's a brewery here in Hartford, Connecticut. I was just gonna I was gonna try two things. Make sure I was staying local because I kind of. Teetered off a little bit, but uh, I wanted to kind of continue the idea of staying outside the IPAs. IPAs, I think, are slowly becoming a dime a dozen. Um, I'm, I'm, a sucker for an, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for a good IPA, always. Uh, in fact, when I picked up this four-pack, I did pick up a four-pack of their uh, other IPA <laughs> just to have it, just in case. Um, I'm not a terribly huge sour guy. But we're going to try it. This one's made with uh, blueberries, vanilla. It's got a little lactose in it, which uh, if you aren't a craft beer fan and you don't know what lactose is, lactose is the sugar 
Uh, it's basically the same sugar you would find in like milk products, but it's the reason they put it in beers now. Yeast tends to break down simple sugars and lactose sugar is not a simple sugar. So you're left over with some residual sweetness inside of the beer that comes out in the flavors. So you get a lot of IPAs with lactose. Now you're getting a lot of sours with lactose. So what that does is the yeast is unable to break it down. So again, it gets left over, creates a little bit of that cloudiness and gives it a little bit more of that uh, sugary taste to it without having to add any, you know, sweeteners or having to worry about any sort of dry hopping or anything like that. It's kind of a cheat. A lot of your sweeter, like, citrusy or fruit-related beers tend to be uh, just derived from over-hopping a beer. Lactose is a way of getting some of that same sweetness without having to spend the money to add all those hops because hops are obnoxiously expensive. So, it makes for a heavier beer. If you're lactose intolerant, avoid any of those, obviously. Um, but uh, it's not bad. It's not bad. So, cheers, Sam. We're going to give it a try. Cheers, man. I, I do, even though I'm not a fan of the fact that you're kind of detracting from the United States of India Pale Ale, I do appreciate that you are uh, staying local and uh, getting into the sour beers. My wife loves sour beers. I'm not a huge fan of them, but I can get her to go to breweries if there's sour beers. So, like, I have learned very quickly. And sometimes, you know, she's not a fan of the hazies. You know, she'll, yeah. she'll try some IPAs. So my wife tries, well, let me backtrack. She doesn't try. I try and force her to try. Not, no, I'm going to definitely backtrack on that one. I don't force her to do anything because she's a strong, independent woman. I sometimes encourage her to give them a try. And usually she will try one, but she's definitely not an IPA fan. Sometimes the um, very fruity flavored ones she can kind of get on board with, but there, there's something in IPA. She can always sniff them out before she even tries them. Uh, she does tend to be a sour fan as well. This one, surprisingly, um, definitely has a lot of the blueberry. It has that. It's more. It's more tart, I would say, than sour. It's not one of those that sort of hits you in the jaw hinge. You know what I mean? Where your your jaw locks up and you salivate a little bit. This one's definitely a little bit more on the kind of bitter side, but I'd say the blueberry is pretty nice. And that lactose gives it just a little bit of sweetness. It's another one of those. I can't drink too many beers with lactose because they just sit heavier, right? There's literal product in there that makes it the way that it is. Um, I mean, you got to think about it. That's pretty good. I I could have one of these or two of these like after mowing the lawn or like on a really hot day or even sitting outside around like a fire. There's got to be a balance to it. Like, really cold, this beer would be great. And I couldn't do too many of them unless... Like, I don't know if I could do a full four-pack in one sitting. I don't know. This one's this one's pretty mild. I would say when it comes to sours, Hog River, for me, definitely sort of is in my wheelhouse. They have another one called Gobble Funks that I really like, which is like a, like a boysenberry sour that they make. That's another one that's a little bit more on the tart side, more tart than sour doesn't have lactose in it, which makes it a little bit lighter. Um, but I think these 
Like this might be the first sour I've had where I can actually sit and enjoy a four pack of it. I'd probably need it to be either somewhat hot or like sitting somewhere hot. I couldn't just casually sit down and watch a baseball game and drink four of these. It's definitely an after dinner beer if that's the case, but uh, not bad. I would love to know the calorie count on one of these. So I'm going to guess it's probably no, you like three to 400 calories you per can. You wouldn't know that at all. But uh, we don't, we don't pay attention to that. What's that? What's your rating on it? Mm, rating, 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 rating. Sours for me are tough because I'm not a huge sour guy and I've tried a couple hundred and haven't found one that's in. But this I would put maybe at the top of that list. So I'd give this one like 410, I'd say. The same sour rating you gave last episode. Okay. Uh, I'm not saying there's any bias there, but good. All right, well, that's fine. I got to leave room for growth. And this one, I mean, so here's the tough part with our rating system. I got to give it a rating, but every time I have a better one, like I feel like the scale shifts, which is why we think, I think we got to do the, like where does it fit in our ranking category versus let's give it a number. Like I would put this one over all the sours I've had before this, but from a beer perspective, which is where my rating comes from, it's not the best beer I've ever had. It just happens mm. to be the best sour I've ever had. Interesting. So, Interesting. I know. I know. You know what? I will amend my score because you're right. I did give it four oh, ten to the last one. You're gonna go four point eleven, aren't you? <laughs> nah, no, no, no. I'll give it. I'll give it a. I'll give it a. I'll give it a, a, a four and a quarter. It's uh, it's good. It's yeah, good. You, you talked yourself into that one. Uh, I, I when I went to check in this beer to Untapped. Shout out to Untapped if you guys use the beer rating app. Uh, this is actually a Kolsch. It's not a pills. It's called Jackson Pills with a Z. Yeah, but they're close enough. So, I, I and Colch is one of those underrated styles. A friend of mine has told me for a long time. He's like, you got to get off those IPAs, man. You got to like, you got to drink some Colches. I'm like, yeah, get out of here with that. And now I'm like, okay, I can really appreciate a nice crisp Colch. Plus, it's um like 9,000 degrees here every day in Virginia, so that really does help. I would give this, you know, I mean, my, it's my baseline rate. I'll give it a three seven five. But in my <laughs> heart of hearts, because I, you know, was at the brewery this weekend, you know. 3.79. They, they share a lot of similar characteristics, but a Kolsch is more like an ale than it is a lager, like a Pilsner is, but flavor profile-wise and all that stuff, they're, they're close enough. I'll give you the pass. Sometimes you can get a cream ale that tastes a lot like the two of those as well, which is interesting. That is like one style that I've never really like been a big fan of. Like, but maybe that's because I had the Genesee cream ale and everything's been ruined for me after that. Well, the problem with cream ales is that they run the gamut. So I've had cream ales that taste like, so there's a cream ale made by Carton Brewing that called, called a cup of Joe or average Joe or whatever. It's Carton Brewing's out of New Jersey. And it was designed to taste like a cup of like New Jersey coffee. But it was labeled as a cream ale and was like 11% and tasted exactly like a cup of coffee. There was no boozy flavor to it. But on the flip side of that, uh, I worked at a brewery that made a cream ale uh, that they intended to be a shift beer for restaurant workers because they, you know, breweries are tied pretty closely to that industry and they were all drinking Pilsners and, and you know, shitty beers at the end of the day. Like, Paps with ribbon. So they wanted a high-end version of what that was, and we partnered with uh, – shout-out to Black Hog. By the way, that's who brewed this. But we partnered with uh, a 
chef from a local restaurant that's unfortunately not around anymore. Uh, and they came up with this beer. It was also cream ale. It tastes like a high-end version of what your normal lager was. So the, the term cream ale is kind of all over the place. I think it's more of a brewing style than it is a flavor profile. Um, versus like a Kolsch, a Pilsner, and a lager. I think they're all in the same vein. Just the brewing style is slightly different. So, <laughs> Good stuff. Well, I mean, we are coming up on episode 13, and hopefully uh, we'll have a guest, but... You know, if uh, you know Friday and episode thirteen seem to come out, I mean, we're, we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, I think so far we've we've got a lot of great feedback. I'm definitely having a lot of fun. I look forward to this. You know what I mean? It's great. Mm-hmm. I love just hearing myself talk. I love the conversation we had back and forth. Love the feedback we're getting from the listeners. Um, you know, checking those those five star ratings out. That is like just it's just mind blowing to me. Hey, I, I heard you on this podcast, or hey, I heard about you this way, or I really like how you do what's in my cup and. Yeah, I mean, people are saying, hey, you know, why don't you go ahead and show show me some what's in my cup love and they send me a six-pack of what you got going on. I'm like, I don't think you guys understand how this works. This is the beers that I'm drinking that I'm telling you to find. <laughs> <laughs> this, is not the, this is not the charity beer event where, you know, you come in yes. and, I, and I go ahead and put it out. But I, this is just a lot of fun. I mean, when we first started out, what, almost three months ago now, you know, we're talking about, you know, doing this podcast. Here we are, uh, 12 episodes in. And at some point, we're going to get 25 50 we're gonna get to 100 uh and we're gonna look back on some of these earlier pods and be like what in the world were we doing we were like just running through it but uh it, it's it's been a blast we love the support you guys are giving you know definitely follow us on social media uh, you know we are funny you know like we like to take some artistic liberties on social media because it's not it's an, a, a relatively anonymous account so uh keep supporting keep mm-hmm. telling it to your friends Keep giving us that feedback. Um, you know, some of you said, "Hey, we thought you guys were like really serious and you know, lighten up a little bit." So we're trying to do that. And what we encourage you guys to do is, we, we love the feedback, but feel free to be public about it. Like if you see us make a post, and we we appreciate you reaching out to us, and we encourage you to always reach out to us and give it to us independently. But we would love to see some of the conversation around how you think we should improve, right? Like I said at the start of this, we we're going to split up the podcast so they weren't as long, but here we are. Pretty long into this one, but um, we're long into two. Yeah. If you guys hear something or you, we're talking about something or you wish we would talk about something, let us know. I mean, I'm sure it'll, it'll get other people involved. We're here to give you, you know, the podcast market is definitely overly saturated a lot of you guys are listening because you have a connection to either sam or i and we really really appreciate that but ideally if we don't grow beyond what our current listening base is that's fine i'm here for that as long as we're giving you guys the things that you want to hear the types of information you guys want to hear us talk about that's fine if we don't grow a single follower or a single listener at all it's no loss to samurai already we're humble and gracious about all of the support we've gotten so far so anything beyond this is just icing on the cake at this point so if you hear something or if you have something you want to talk to us about let us know who knows we're always looking for ways to boost this up maybe we'll bring you on and we'll chat about it uh, shout out to Jeff Desmond. We haven't forgot about you. COVID kind of made things a little bit interesting. <laughs> Most of the beers that we're finding, I'm picking up at local package stores, and I really want to save something special to send you away. So we haven't forgot about you. If you hear this, 
We got Could you, you call him like the father of the pod. Could we do that? Because he, he mm. for the name. <laughs> we should we should just put his name in like the lower left corner of all the titles just to have it on there. <laughs> we could. Jeff, thanks for the the inspiration. And all of you guys, thanks for listening and supporting the Stats Matter podcast. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on social media, on Twitter, at Stats Podcast, and on Instagram, at Stats Don't Matter. Tim, it's been great. Let's put this one in the books. Let's get another one loading up in the hopper, and let's just keep this thing going. Cheers, guys. we got someone special lined up, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Oh, yeah. All right. Talk to you later, guys.